Welcome to Consulting Mastery, where we help B2B consultants master the business of consulting. I'm Carrie, And I'm Ahmed. Join us as we explore the art of delivering outstanding client value, earning a higher income, and thriving in today's marketplace. Why is entrepreneurship lonely? Number one, you probably started something on your own. Most cases, some people will start businesses with a with a co-founder or a partner, but that's rare. In most cases, people that start businesses do it on their own. So, by definition, you're alone. <laughs> you're the you're the sole founder. Secondly you likely don't have a lot of people in your circle who can relate to what you're doing. Now, exceptions to this would be if you come from a, from a particularly entrepreneurial family, that's different. Or if you have a social circle that has a lot of entrepreneurs in it, which typically is, is something that happens through the course of entrepreneurship as you make those connections and, and not so much before you make the leap. So one is, by definition, you've started something on your own, so it's lonely. Two, you likely don't have very many people in your in your social circles who can relate to what you're doing. And three, this may not speak to loneliness, uh, obviously, but I think it's a factor, is you weren't really taught what to do, necessarily. You know, there wasn't a course in school or a... Uh, a book, uh, maybe you did read a book, right? But there, you, you weren't really socialized growing up into becoming an entrepreneur. And so that makes it feel lonely from an identity perspective. Like you're different. You're doing something other people aren't doing, which makes you uncomfortable to a certain extent. And that can feel lonely. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting just the difference between um, being alone and being lonely. Because I think your last point very clearly points to being lonely. You may not be sitting alone in a room. You may be, you know, around other people. But the notion that you can't talk to them or you can talk to them and they're not going to understand or they're going to critique what you're saying or they're just, you know, going to think you're crazy. That is very lonely making. Yeah, it, it's funny because I think we've all been in these situations where you're at a, a social gathering, whether it's family gathering or friends gathering, and somebody wants to give you business advice. And, Always. you know, I think I'm giving off a vibe because it doesn't happen as much as it used to. <laughs> I must be giving off a, don't even try to talk to me about business vibe. It's not going to go well for you. I must be giving that, that vibe off. But uh, It's not the t-shirt that you're wearing that says, no, yeah, no, I haven't printed advice. the t-shirt yet, right? Like, let's not talk business. Yeah. Okay, that's not going to end well for you. Uh, that's what it says in the back. Um, but it, it used to happen and it used to really annoy me, right? Because the advice was never really relevant. It didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Actually, fairly recently, I had I had this experience, this is maybe six to 12 months ago, where one of my wife's relatives, like an elderly relative, like elderly meaning it's her uncle, right? Not like old, old. He's still working uh -huh. and um, I shouldn't give away who it is so easily um, to family members who are listening. Like they already know. Um, and he was like, you know, either you should work for a really, really big corporation or 
you should uh, basically be like a, some kind of a contract employee, right? He's like, those are, you know, like business. I don't really see people making money in business. You know, business is risky. And like, it's having this conversation with me, right? Business is risky. You know, it's like, it's almost like, son, what are you doing? Yeah. Business is risky. I, as a non-business person, by the way, do not see many people making a livelihood for themselves in business. Oh, in fact, it got better. And the ones that do are corrupt. <laughs> right? So the advice was like, just get a job at a really big corporation. If you're not going to be a doctor, something like that, right? And it, it was so, like, I was not offended by any means. Right? It's comical, right? Because it was so divorced from my reality, right? And he doesn't necessarily know my reality um, in terms of the business that we run and, and, and our results, et cetera. That it was just, it was comical, right? But, but those are the kinds of things that you run into, you know, it, it, when you go into business. You get family members, friends who maybe mean well, have the best of intentions, think you're taking risks, are concerned for your welfare, give you a lot of um, ill-conceived advice. Yeah, and the important thing to consider here outside of your family dynamics, which I think is, you know, a different conversation for another kind of podcast, but when you feel alone, whether the advice is terrible, you know, whether it's well-meaning or not, whatever it is, there's a danger of taking it on board. Because if you only have people around you that don't understand, who can't really speak to you in the way that you need to be spoken to, right, who can't challenge you, um, or who can't encourage you in the way that you need to be encouraged, then it can be really easy to get worn down by the, you know, lifers with pensions in the big organizations who, I mean, good on them, right? If they're happy and fulfilled and doing what they want to do, that's great. But knowing that you've chosen this different path, right? This path that has a different set of challenges, it can be really easy to let that kind of feedback, you know, get into your head. <laughs> Especially when it's not going well. Yes. Which, you know, spoiler alert, if you're in business and you, it's been all like roses and revenue, up until now, right? And things are going up and to the right. Good for you, but it's not going to last. Just wait. You're, yeah. you're going to have dips. It's yeah. inevitable, right? And so in those low moments where you have those dips and things aren't going well, you're starting to question yourself. That's where you're going to be more receptive to some of the, you know, misplaced advice. Uh, you know, there were times, and, and fortunately, I, you know, I'm, I'm out of this stage now, but there were times in like the formative years of the business, particularly when we were scaling, where I would once a week, literally once a week, go home to my wife and be like, sometimes I wish I was a dry cleaner. I use dry cleaning as an example, right? Like, and no offense, dry cleaners, right? Good, honest, hardworking people making a good living, right? But in the sense of like, it, it's, there's not a whole lot that can go wrong. You know, like people bring their clothes in, they pay for the clothes to be cleaned, and we clean the clothes, we give them back. Right? It's, it's a fairly simple business model, not, you know, particularly intellectually taxing, right? And and I go through these these periods where, like, I just intellectually was overwhelmed, right? Like, it's a lot to consider, a lot that could go wrong, a lot of variables, a lot of this, the advertising, salespeople, and delivery, and fulfillment, yada, yada. And it would, it would be, like, really heavy on me, Right? And so we all have those moments. Like it's, you know, for me in the early days, it was pretty frequent, you know, once a week. 
Yep. <laughs> if you know, may, maybe a couple times a month at 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 uh, at, at best, right? Yeah. And so in those moments, that's where if you pay too much attention, and I guess there's a conversation here to be had around how much attention do you pay to to um, you know bad advice from the wrong people. That you know, even if you you know maybe didn't connect when you heard it, it's in those moments it might come back to haunt you, and that's where it gets dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. And if we think about the short the, the shortcuts, right? How do we resolve this? To me, it's about making much less space in your brain for that kind of feedback because you're filling it with the kind of community, the kind of connections, the kind of conversations that you want to have. And to be clear, I'm not talking about going out and finding necessarily advice, right? This isn't all about advice, but this is about being able to speak to people that are thinking about the same things that you're thinking about. And so to me, the trick is to bring more of those people into my orbit so that there are less of the people, not less of the people, because we still love those people, we want them around, but there's less space in my head to, you know, let that doubt kind of fill the vacuum that would exist otherwise. The, the question is, which idea is going to dominate your headspace, right? Is the idea that I'm in business for the right reasons and I made the right decision and yes, there are ups and downs, but I'm committed to the path and this is what's fulfilling to me and satisfying and gratifying. Is that the dominant idea or is a dominant idea that, oh, this is really risky and I maybe shouldn't have done this and I should have made a safer, you know, better decision? Yeah. Well, and there's even a third version of this from the people who aren't entrepreneurs, which is, oh, wow, that's amazing, right? You're incredible. I can't believe you're doing that, <laughs> which has its own challenges, right? It can feed your ego for about 30 seconds. And then it also starts to become problematic because what you want to get to is a place of, you know, optimistic realism <laughs> and thinking you're a superhero or thinking that you are insane for having taken on this challenge. Neither of those things are going to help you. Yeah. Yeah. And feeling like an imposter. Yeah. which happens a lot. We did a whole ad on this once. This is years ago. We did an ad on um, the, the secret life of a consultant. It, and it was like, what, what, you, what you say consulting is like versus what it's really like. Yeah. <laughs> it, was like it was like, what you say consulting is like, is like you're at the dinner table and you're like, oh yeah, I have tons of clients. I'm so busy. I love my clients. I love the work that I do. It's so, so satisfying. It's so like challenging, stimulating, right? Um, and then like shift to what it's really like and like you're like lying down on your sofa throwing a tennis ball in the air and like it's hitting you in the face, right? Because you don't have clients, right? Or, you know, I yeah, I have tons of authority. My clients respect me and you know, they they really take my they take my advice and um I feel really valued and yada yada yada. But you're actually just getting beat down by clients and doing whatever they they tell you to do, right? This is a real thing too, right? Because people think Oh, you're in business. You're a consultant. You must be doing really, really well, especially if you've been doing it for a few years, right? Like, wow, that must be amazing. But the reality is never what it, you know, what they think it is. And then, and then you have this imposter syndrome. Like you're putting up this front, like it looks this way. And, and, and you almost enjoy that, right? Like you enjoy the glorification that comes with being an entrepreneur, but then you live a different experience and there's some disconnect there. Yeah. So let's talk about how to build the community that's going to support you in the way that you need to be supported. Because I think that is something that a lot of people don't pay enough attention to. Um, you know, our communities get built, our, our 
de facto advisory committees get built just because of the people that are there, right? The people that are within our, our circle. And without thinking through and being smart and intentional about who it is that you're spending your time with, you get yourself in trouble. So I think there's three types of people you want to have in your corner. At, at most stages of business, the, the more advanced you get and the more confident you get in your footing as an entrepreneur, is then you can kind of start to maybe, maybe have two or three, one out of three, depending on the season. But I think for most people, you need all three. Number one is mentorship. That is people that are, uh, you know, have done what you're trying to do and are able to provide you with advice on how to tread the path more efficiently, avoid the mistakes, avoid the common pitfalls, do things more efficiently. They've done what you're trying to do, right? And they can speak that experience and, and help you, you know, shortcut the process. That's one. Two is people who are, uh, a little bit ahead of you in the game and ahead can be interpreted in different ways. I don't necessarily mean revenue, it could be experience, right? They've just been in business longer, right? They've seen more things than you experientially, right? Um, they're not mentors, you know, to, so to speak, but they're, they're people that have had more experience in the domain with than you and therefore, and that experience is recent, right? One of the challenges with mentorship is that if somebody did what you're trying to do 10 years ago, it's not that their experience is not valuable. It is, but it's not recent mm -hmm. and things might've changed. Right. So to have people remember, who are a bit, right? and they yeah. might not remember. Yes. Right. So to have people a little bit closer to you in terms of experience and time frame can be really valuable. And then the third group is the people that are in the trenches with you right now. You know, if you're, if you're sitting at, you know, I'm going to use revenue as an example, but it's not the only example. If you're sitting at, you know, low six figures, it's to have a, a group of people that are low six figures as consultants, if that's what you do, right? Or if you're sitting at about a million, right? To have a group that are in that range, right? Because then you have really clearly shared experiences and, and, and challenges and roadblocks that you can, uh, you can, you can mastermind together, share resources with, uh, uh, share advice, share insights, and that's invaluable. Yeah, I love those three. I'd add a fourth, which is, I don't know what to call them, um, but it's almost a wild card because you've talked about specific people who are specifically, you know, have done, are doing, are, are, are in on the same path. I also see a ton of value in someone who maybe isn't entirely on the same path, but who asks the good questions, who challenges you, who will listen and just kind of go into thought partnership in a way that sometimes the people who are on the same path struggle to because they're still dealing with their own stuff. And so finding that person, and this can be someone that you, you know, pay to do this, or this can be someone who you know, who just has that skill set, but somebody who just helps you get out of your, you know, kind of the rut that you're in or the 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 ongoing ways of thinking that we all get trapped in. To me, I think that is an additional, you know, super valuable person that I would add to the list because as an entrepreneur, yes, you want to learn from all the people around you. Also, the whole point of doing this is because you're doing it your way. And so you want to make sure you don't lose touch with your way because you are, you know, connecting to a bunch of people who have a prescribed path, right? Or, or who are kind of in the rut or in the trench with you. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I think I conflated mentorship and coaching. Mm. Like what you're referring to, I think, is coaching. Sure. Yeah. 
And when I said mentor, I kind of meant both. And I think part of the reason for that is because the best mentors I've had have been really good coaches too. They weren't, okay. yes, they had experience, right? But they weren't necessarily like, no, you've got to do it this way and 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 were uh, dogmatic about their approach because I think that's, you know, uh, not terribly valuable even in a mentor, right? Um, but they can be different things, right? You can have mentors who have done things a different way and you take advice from them to the extent that it's useful. And then you can have coaches who maybe haven't done the thing but are able to ask, you know, critical questions that that, that provoke ideas and thoughts that maybe you didn't have access to. And so it'd be nice if you can find a mentor who's also a coach. They don't need to be the same person. And they, yeah. they don't they, they don't necessarily conflict with each other either. No, for sure. There's value. You, I think you want sort of this well-rounded group. And so the question then becomes, where do you find them? So it's all well and good for us to say, these are the people that you need. Um, how do you find them? So number one, uh, paid masterminds exist for a reason. Like there's people that facilitate these groups. Uh, we do it for our clients. Now you can't join one of our paid masterminds just off the streets. You've got to be an alumnus of 90 day pipeline because we only, we only work people that have been through our flagship program. And on the back end of that, we have a mastermind and it works really well because everybody in the mastermind is called momentum mastermind is an alumnus of 90 day pipeline. So they've been educated in our core theories, philosophies, frameworks, mindsets, etc., And they share that it resonated with them. It worked with them. They got results from it. So what binds them together is yes, they're all selling a B2B consulting professional service, but they're all adhering to certain tenets in the way they do business because of their shared experience with us. And so that works really well. There are obviously other paid masterminds that might be a good fit for you. That's one. Um, two is uh, more generally speaking, online learning communities like that could that could be in the form of a mastermind that could be in the form of an online course or a coaching program that has a community element to it. Obviously, community is a massive part of our programs, ninety day pipeline, and otherwise, it's not just you know training and coaching from the team, but it's collaboration and peer support from the community. So that's becoming, I think, a more uh, common feature in coaching and training programs, although I think not, not enough people double down on it the way that they should, the way that we like to. Um, and then last but not least, form your own community. And I've, and I've, I've done all of the above, by the way, uh, you know, paid masterminds, paid programs, those can serve you really well, depending on if you can find the ones that are the right fit. Um, but then I've also just, taken some people that I met along the way and said, Hey, let's, let's come together and let's just build our own mastermind. And, and, you know, I'm thinking of one particular example with there's four or five people that I met through the, through one of the above experiences, a mastermind or a paid coaching program. And, uh, you know, sometimes the people that you meet in these programs, you don't jive with everybody, right? So you want to kind of pick your, own, you know, pick your own, um, your own peers, so to speak. And so I remember, uh, there was probably about a good year where I had four or five people that, that I liked. We got along. We had, um, you know, kind of similar ideas, but also different ideas so that there was some interesting kind of diversity of thought in the group. And we met every week for about a year. And that served me really well for a while. Didn't pay a dime for it. It was free. It was the people that I wanted to be engaging with. And, and that eventually ran its course. But that's always an option, too. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And then there's the outreach that you would do, <coughs> excuse me, to the individuals as well. So people that you know, right? People that you've seen, either be successful, people that you know are in the trenches. Don't be shy because if you're looking for a community, they're probably also looking for a community. So reaching out individually is also important. And you alluded to this, but I want to wrap a bow around it as well. It's really important to recognize that the community you need today is going to be the is going to be a different community than when the one that you're going to need two years from now or the one that you needed two years ago. And sometimes we get really stuck with the people that we're connected to because we like them and it was a good experience. And we often kind of let that run too long before we realize, you know what, that was a great thing that we did. And also now I need to either maybe not remove them from my life, but you know, interact with them in a different way or bring other people in. And so for me, the notion of like annually having that as part of my planning process, right? Where I think about, okay, what do I need now? What does this look like? How is this serving me? And just getting super, super intentional. That's the thing that's going to ensure that you're surrounded by the folks that you need and want to be surrounded by. Yeah, it's interesting. And I, one last thought on this. I think it also depends on what you're trying to accomplish. In, in the business, or and this can be applied to really any domain in life, right? What kind of leap forward are you trying to make? Because if, if I'm speaking personally, I'm, you know, in, in our business, we are not trying to make a massive leap. Mm. You know, we, we've got some revenue growth that we want to achieve this year, 2023. It's mostly about dialing in operations and team. And it's, it's not like I have this moonshot goal this year or anytime soon, really that I need to kind of get in a different room to normalize. And I've been there, right? Where like the, the goal was was just so far beyond what I could understand or comprehend or believe that I had to get into the room with people for whom that was normal. And that was an incredible shortcut. Personally, I'm not there today. And so therefore, I have less of a need for all of the above. And I get by just fine with you and me have these conversations all the time. We have a team of leaders and really smart people who we work with inside the organization where we have these conversations. And then I have a handful of personal relationships like me and Greg Hickman. We run another podcast called Becoming CEO. Greg's business and I are, we're, they're not connected. He runs a business. I run a business, but we're friends and we share notes and we decided to record those notes in the form of a podcast, right? So I have a handful of those kinds of personal relationships and that works for me in this season. So the season that you're in and your needs in that season are uh, a really important input into defining the support network that you need.